Good morning. Uh, one quick announcement. Uh, we've had three weeks of hiccups with the, the joining worship on the phone. So if you talk to someone, there is a trick. If you talk to someone who's having trouble, um, at least as of last week, it does work. But what happens is that they'll call you and tell you that it starts in 15 minutes. If you stay on the phone and then it, the service is supposed to start and you're not hearing anything, um, just tell your friends to hang up, call back, and it should work then. So uh, it helps me not get 12 phone calls tomorrow if you're talking to people and they don't know that. So that's the trick. Hang up, call back, should work fine. All right. Um, those of you joining us online and hopefully those of you joining us on the phone, uh, we're glad that, you, that we have this technology to be able to do this. We're glad you're joining us. We would love, those of you who are local, we would love to see you in person. So um, not trying to, not trying to uh, push you towards something you're uncomfortable with, but we would, the, the, everyone who's come back that I've talked to has said uh, that they didn't know how much they missed the connection until they were back and they saw faces and they, they smiled at people and were smiled at. So we're talking a little bit about that today, not, not specifically about um, whether you're joining people in church face-to-face or not, but um, we're in this Family Matters, it's either Family Matters or Family Matters, uh, this series, and today we're talking about kind of about fellowship, I guess is the word, and I know that in, uh, in, in our culture, fellowship usually means um, 55-plus breakfast yesterday or go on a color tour next month or um oftentimes it's a it's an excuse for christians to eat right we call it fellowship and there's pigs in the blanket um but there's a there's a strangeness to that word in scripture uh koinonia um and other the other words that we translate fellowship and part of it is that it's a shared identity with jesus and his suffering. So if you think about Acts chapter 2, when it says that the, they, the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. What was the fellowship like there? Well, it, said, it tells us. It tells us that, that people um, shared with everyone as they had need. So it's an identity with Christ and his suffering and his resurrection. And it's the community of believers. We're supposed to look different than every other people group on the planet. We're supposed to look for needs of others and to help meet those needs. And we're supposed to be willing to articulate, I don't want to use the word confess because we always think confess is something that you've done wrong, but, but to articulate what needs we might have. So there are people that you know very well right now that need connection. There are people right now that are either homebound or uh, they have uh, medical issues that are keeping them from being here. Um, if you haven't reached out anytime recently, please do. Just a sense. Let me. I'll tell you a story, just a very short one, and then we'll uh, then we'll pray, and then we'll read this passage from Ephesians four. We were in it last week, but we're going to extend it a little bit, and then we'll finish up with Philippians chapter two. This is the story. Uh, a woman named I want to say Mamie. It might be Mommy. Uh, M A M I E. She made frequent trips to the branch post office, and one day uh, she. She uh, came up to a really big line, and she waited in line and waited in line and waited in line. And one of the people that works at the post office came up to her and said, Mamie, um, you know, you can just use the stamp machine, and you get all the stamps that you need, and you don't have to wait in this long line. And here's what she said. 
I know, but the machine can't ask me about my arthritis. <laughs> so it's a cute little story, and I get it, but there is something to be said that people ask you about what you need. There's something to be said when, when someone you're connected to or someone you haven't seen in a while and you reconnect, there's something about someone saying, how are you, and I don't want the, the polite answer. You know, the, 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 I had a friend that used to say, you ask him how he is, he'd go, do you, you, you want the truth or the lie I'm telling everybody else? Because there, there's a thing in, in polite West Michigan culture where if someone asks you how you're doing, you say, I'm good, you? Or you say, busy, how about you? But often, under the surface, there's, there's a need or a feeling disconnected or a sense that things aren't quite right. And it's good for one Christian and another because we're in fellowship, to look for the needs of others, look for the suffering of others, and if nothing else, to join them in it for a while. Let's pray, and we'll talk through this. Lord, bless you for who you are, for what you do, not just for us, but through us. Lord, we're going to read from your, your word today. We're going to hear from both Ephesians and Philippians, and they're both things that are authored by Paul. And Paul knew suffering, Paul knew connection, and Paul knew fellowship better than most of us. So I ask that you help me communicate to your people what you want them to hear, what you want us to hear. And if there's something I plan to say that you don't want said, I don't want to say it. Convict me of it, but don't let me utter it to your people. But Lord, if there's something that you want said to your people that I have not come up with in, in prayer or study, Make it clear to me that it's from you, and I will speak it to your people today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So Philippians, we were in Philippians 4, just the first couple of verses last week, and we're going to read those same verses and then just keep going a little bit um, because Paul here is talking about unity but fellowship in the body of Christ. And it reads like this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, he ascended on high and led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's a lot of words. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will, all, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows 
and builds itself up in love, and each part does its work. Now, this list of gifting that he talks about, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The, the word there for pastor is shepherd. So it's what's known as apest. If you ever want to remember what those five are, just think of apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And you'll notice that God seems to work in his people through gifts like this. If you just look at your pastoral staff and your, and your ministry staff, there are, there are those of us that are gifted in different ways. Kurt is all kinds of shepherd, always thinking of people, always wanting to connect with people. Um, Doug, Doug and I, we, we, if we go out to lunch as pastors and we come back to the parking lot, I'm usually driving, so I drop people off over by A. And if someone is walking out of the building um, to their car because they had just been at the office, Doug and I will say, hey, and we'll walk in. Kurt will say, hey, and he'll walk over. And 20 minutes later, he's still having a conversation. It's beautiful. He's a shepherd. But an apostle is someone who starts something new. So we look at, and I know I'm hearing the little pop too. It's a new mic. We're still trying to work out the, the, the little, uh, all the little details on it. Um, but an apostle is someone who starts something new. And there are people gifted in that way. Um, I had been a church planter before. Right now, Pastor Nate is a church planter. He's starting something new. And he, he goes out and he can, he can see things that do not exist yet. That's what all the apostles did. They were called by God and sent out to start and plant. And, and, and they went into where there was no church and made a church. Now, there's more to the apostleship than that, but that's a piece of it. The prophet. The prophet is the one who, who speaks the word of God to his people in a timely manner. An evangelist is someone who has a heart for the lost. And a shepherd we talked about, and a teacher. Some people, there, there's preaching and there's teaching. And sometimes teaching is what a people need. If you think about Joyful Heart's Bible study here on Tuesday mornings or community Bible study here on Tuesday mornings, there's, it's, it's didactic. It's, it's a time to read the scriptures, to do some homework, and have someone teach. Now, imagine a church that was only about evangelism. Imagine a church that was only about starting something new. Imagine a church that only had shepherds in it, where we're all caring for each other, but we would be so close to each other and checking in on one another that new people might come in and they, they, they feel lost. It is something that God does. He, he takes his people, and it, Paul tells us that, that we all have the grace as Christ apportioned it. So we all have a gifting. We all have a way that God wired us that is for his glory and the edification, that means to be built up, of the people of God. It's a good thing. And I'm not saying that you need to get out there and find out where you fit on this apex scale but I am saying you already know what you're good at. You already know what makes your heart beat hard. You already know what you're passionate about. It's probably the thing that when you get frustrated in church or in any ministry that you're a part of, and you go, why aren't we doing this? That's the thing that you're most excited about. That's the thing you think is most important. We have people, Jen is very, very involved in spiritual formation and discipleship. And we have others that are very excited about brand new believers um, and, and, or reaching people that don't yet know they're Christians. Now, uh, to a discipler, to, to someone, a teacher, to someone who really has this idea of shepherding people and walking them through it, the most important thing is spiritual growth. To an evangelist, the most important thing is that there are people that don't yet know that God loves them, and I want them to meet. So we need all of that in a church. We need all of that in the family of God, and that is how God set it up, this supernatural vehicle 
by, that, that God uses to communicate to the world the manifold wisdom, the glory, the pleasure, the love, and the mercy and the grace of God. So what does that have to do with us specifically? What is, find out what you're good at. I promise you that there are, there are times I want the gifts that my wife has. I want, I want to be a musician, and I am not. I sing like Buddy Hackett. It is not pretty. And no, no offense to Buddy. Don't know him. But when he, when he was in the movie uh, Little Mermaid as Scuttle, when he sang, that's what I sound like, especially in the shower. I don't get better in the shower. I get worse. But Lynn is able to, to compose music and say something in three minutes that takes me more than 30 to say in a sermon. Now, if I don't have her gifting, and so it would terrify me to have to sing in front of other people. I can almost guarantee you that God has not called you, gifted you to do something that you hate. He has almost certainly called you and equipped you to do the thing that you love the most. Those of you who have a heart for hurting people and and send cards to everyone when you hear that someone has lost a loved one or someone has been in hospital or something like that, whatever it may be, God has wired you a certain way to do a certain thing. And no one else on the planet can do the thing that God has called you to do with the people that you know and the the circles that you're in. No one on the planet can do what God has called you to do except for you. Now, there's there's much in here. That's the gifting part. There's much in here about about staying together to to do this with one another, not just to one another. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Do not answer them out loud, but I would like to at least call these things to attention. I have a guy that I was talking to two weeks ago, not from our church, just a friend, and he has had relationships and friendships that he's had for 20 years go away because of different views on the, the, the current pandemic and the political spectrum that we find ourselves in. I was talking to a pastor on Wednesday, and after, this, this, after people came back from the shutdowns of COVID, um, He's found that people of, they're, they're, there's basically in our country, you know this, but there's basically the primary uh, political persuasions are two. Agreed? I mean, there's others, but two that people tend to identify themselves with. There's an entire political persuasion in his church that have stated that they are leaving or have already left because they don't feel welcomed by the, pe- the Christian brothers and sisters of the other political persuasion. Is that Okay. I'm not saying that's happening here, but it would hurt me if it did, and I think it grieves the Spirit of God if it does. Why? Well, who are your people? That's what fellowship is. That's what koinonia is. That's what being a Christian is, finding out who my people are, and you already know who your people are. They're your, they're your spouse, the people that you come from. And the people that, that have come from you, they're your family. That's your, that's your original context of who are my people. And there are certain things that your people do. There are certain traditions your people have. There are certain things that, that you might have said to your children when they were growing up. Like for me, hey, you're a walker and walkers don't do that. There's traditions, there's, there's rituals, there's, there, there's celebrations, there's, there's words that, that you know, we even, even families have their own vocabulary. They have their own things that always bring up a smile. So you know who your people are, but according to the scriptures, your people are all Christians. 
And that's why he says one spirit, one hope, one baptism. And he, and he calls us to, as far as it depends on us, to live in harmony with one another. So who are your people? Are they Christians? Are they your family and Christians that believe a certain way politically? Or have a, a, an understanding of who my experts are that I trust in this whole pandemic thing? Or are my people the body of Christ as Christ tells me they are? Now, we all get to decide that, but I can tell you this. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, there's a little section in there that, said, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which you're familiar with, and the acts or the works of the sinful nature. And one of the things in that sinful nature that, it said, you know, it talks about idolatry and witchcraft, and there's, there's one that, that factions and dissensions, but in the, NR, in the uh, RSV, it says party spirit. And you know what the party spirit that he's talking about is? political party spirit. Now, I'm not accusing, but it broke my heart to hear a friend of mine who's a pastor on Wednesday to hear that one segment of his church is leaving his church because Christian brothers and sisters can't get past something lower than we're supposed to be about primarily. Now, I have my political opinions. We've talked about that. And I'm up front. I'm pretty slippery about them. Because I don't want to disenfranchise a third or a half of the people. Because my job is not to talk about here. My job is to talk about here. What matters most is who we are in Christ. And that we as Christians, we are our people. So how do our people behave? What are our traditions? What are our uh, rituals? What, how do, what is our vocabulary? How do we interact with one another? Well... Paul tells us in, in Philippians, real clearly, in the, the first part, the second part of this passage, you're very familiar with the first part, you may not be. And I'm, I'm going to read the first part first, and we'll finish the message with the last part. But it says this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So do you have any encouragement? Any comfort? Any fellowship with the Spirit? Any tenderness? And Paul says, make his joy, make God's joy complete by being like-minded of one heart, by being God's people. Yesterday, well, Friday, I was at a graveside funeral, private, just family, a couple of pastors that were there, and saw a family gather to say goodbye to someone, and we just asked people to share a word here and there, and they did, and they, they shared memories and they shared humor, and they shared how this person was. And the words were, he had integrity, he was generous to a fault, he had wisdom, and he was sarcastic. He liked to poke a little bit. So his people knew him. Do your people know you? And do you know your people? Fellow 
members of the body of Christ, that he wants to continue to grow up. He tells us that if we, if, 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 if we don't grow, if we don't lean into what he calls us to, then we're like an infant being tossed around on the waves. That, that's a weird analogy. I would never see a, an infant floating around and bobbing around on a, on a big lake or something. But, but he, he wants, God wants us not to settle for something less. He wants us to only settle for all that he is. And as Christians, our calling is to recognize that we are his, but it's we are his. We are our people. We are family. We are the body, the bride of Christ. And he wants his body to represent him well and to have an attitude that is like his. Now, this is not going to be on the screen, but I want to just remind you of this passage. I'm going to read that first part of Philippians 2 again, and then I'm going to tell you why he's saying it. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should... Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. If you're connected to Jesus at all, if you have any this, any this, any this, any this, then don't be worried about who you are and what you get, but worry about what others, who others are and what they need. Think of not only your own needs, but also to the interests of others. Why? Because our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who what? Looked to join us to meet our need and to suffer on our behalf. In other words, the God of the universe has fellowship with his people. And if we are Christ's people, that's who your people are then shouldn't we look different? Shouldn't we look like the one we worship? And I think we do. I saw amazing things this last week. I heard that terrible thing from from a pastor, but I met with someone on Thursday who just had a a recent spiritual experience. And it's been, I mean, it's one of those grab-the-dirt moments with God. And to hear the authenticity and the strength of heart and the, the confession of, of Christ in his life was just, was phenomenal. I got to see a couple yesterday um, tie the knot, so to speak, to, and they actually did. They wove together three strands, three cords, and tied a little knot at the bottom um, as their symbol of unity. But I got to see this, these, families come to, these families come together and rejoice that two people are deciding to trust that God in some miraculous way is going to make three one. Would God with the bride and the groom knit together, and for somehow they were just wise enough and naive enough to say, I'm going to pledge the rest of my life 
to this person. I mean, think about when you got married, those of you who are married, when you got married, did you know what you were signing up for? You did, but you didn't. When I was 23 years old, I had no idea what our journey was going to be, but I was so in love that I was willing to say before God and people, before my people, the Christian church, I say you and me together till one of us is gone, dead. That's an amazing thing to witness, although we just see it as if it's an everyday occurrence now, but that's one of the rites and rituals of our people. Worship is a rite and a ritual of our people. Service is a rite and a ritual of our people. Who are we is whose we are. And it doesn't mean that I don't get to have opinions, but it does mean that I should be more concerned about someone else's need, heart, concern, worry, frustration, illness, or desire. Should be more concerned about theirs than mine. And the hope is that they will be more concerned about mine than theirs. Because that's how God set it up. That's why he gave different people different gifts because different people can see people in different circumstances. They can read the room and they know that this person was quiet and they're normally boisterous. So maybe something's wrong. So they go to them and they reach out to them and they have this conversation, this wonderful experience. So, so it is with you, with everyone in your life. There are people that you can see what they need better than anybody else on the planet. And if they're your people as a follower of Jesus Christ then God has chosen you and has equipped you to make sure that they feel and experience what real fellowship is. It's more than just having donuts and coffee. It's joining one another in their suffering. It's being allied with Christ, which makes us brothers and sisters. It makes us family. Now again, I am not telling you that you're doing wrong. I am reminding you not to settle for what the world says is most important. Because we are our people and we are in this together. God started this group of people in 1967. Some of you were there at Roosevelt School with the, the little roller rink organ. And then some of you were there when you broke ground. Some of you pulled the plow on the corner of Felch and 104th and the old Gladiola Field. Some of you were there at the beginning, and some of you are new, and some brand new, and some of you have been, some of us have been around 10, 15, 20 years. But when you come into a fellowship of believers, that fellowship of believers becomes your people. And as frustrating as it can be sometimes, you know what it's like in family, you know what it's like at holidays. Sometimes it goes well, and that's the one you remember. You know what it's like on vacations. When you're driving down to Florida, and your kids are in the back seat. You remember those days? In the back of a tornado. Four boys, mom and dad, going to, going to Georgia. It was miserable. But what do I remember from those times? Fighting with my brother. And the music that my dad had playing in the 8-track. I never promise you a rose garden. Bad, bad Leroy Brown and all the carpenters. I never would have listened to those as a kid, but you know what? That music is the music of my people. And there's more. But it was formative. And when I go down south next week to put my dad's remains in the ground next to his mom and his dad in Albany, Georgia, I guarantee you 
I'll be using a phone to do it, to, to download the music, but I will be listening to Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. And I never promise you, D Delta Dawn, that another one back in those days? Why? I miss my dad, but he's my people. And his, our people have music. We have rituals and rites, and so do you, in your own families, but within this church. And some of the people that are your people like different music. And you know what? That's okay. And sometimes, about every four weeks, you get the music here that you love, and then the others you tolerate, and that's okay. It's all the music of our people. But please, be assured, be reminded, and be encouraged to be with, for, and about your people above all the other distractions of this world. If you think back to when the first Jewish people became Christian and the first Gentile people became Christian, these two groups that had never had any fellowship with one another are now put together, and God did something glorious. Were there... Did sparks fly? Oh, yeah. But you and I are a result of it. So please, be pleased with God and be pleased that you are part of God's people and be pleased that others who differ are still your people because they first bend a knee to the name that is higher than every other name. Let's pray. Lord, bless you, thank you, praise you for who you are, for what you've done in us, for us, and what you continue to do through us. Join us as we lift your name up in worship with song. Join us as we walk through the rites and the rituals that we call worship. And Lord, bind us together with those ligaments that Paul talked about. Help us grow as the body of Christ so that we become more the people that you've already made us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name through the power of the Spirit of God that lives within us for the glory of God our Father. Amen.